We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians tonight. My mind is a lot of different places, uh, but uh, I was thinking about the men's meeting, of course. That's something that's on my heart as just in two more weeks, it'll all be over. Uh, <laughs> and there is kind of a, a, a just kind of breathing out when it's all done, but boy, when we get, get into it in the beginning, these next couple of weeks here, uh, there'll be it'll be more intense for us. The the burden will be hot, hotter, heavier. Uh, there'll be more of a pressure. And uh, and some of these t- next two weeks and the times that I've had with the Lord have been so sweet and so precious. Uh, but they've been difficult as well. And and uh, I think about the men's meeting. We pray on Monday nights. And uh, this past Monday night, there was about seven of us that got together, and we prayed for about two hours. And we went through every single name that's been pre-registered. Uh, we divided up uh, amongst us guys. And so if you're already pre-registered, you got prayed for on Monday. You've actually been prayed for many Mondays. Uh, but if you uh, want to see me afterwards, I talked to Rick a little bit. Uh, if you've not pre-registered or whatever, register, you can register with me. But uh, we prayed for several things for this men's meeting. The, the number, number one prayer that we have is that God would be honored and glorified. That's the first thing. Uh, you know, I'm not, I, though I have uh, the, the utmost respect for John Getch, for uh, Doug Fisher, the other one that's coming to preach, and Alton Beal, uh, I do not trust in them. I, you know, I, we go to, to revival meetings. I don't bring the revival meeting. <laughs> I know it's not in me. It's in God. And the same thing is with those men. It's not in them. It's in God. And so uh, we're asking that God would uh, would be exalted above all. And then we pray that uh, His presence uh, would be there, that we would know that He's there. You know, you think about the singing that we had uh, last year. It was just incredible. And then uh, we pray that God would be in control of the meeting. And we're, we're asking God's control right now in everything that we do. Uh, but a third prayer that we have is Holy Spirit conviction and cleansing of sin. And if there is no conviction, there's going to be no change. We need to change. We need the conviction. Many times we don't have revival because we, we uh, uh, kick against the conviction. We need to welcome the conviction. Say, okay, God, I surrender. Here I am. And then with the conviction, we get it right. There's the cleansing. Uh, we want to have the cleansing and uh, another thing that we we pray for is uh, that God will do a life-changing work in at least one man during each session. So every session is important. And so we pray for that. Uh, we pray that men would be surrendered and obedient to the Lord no matter the cost. Now, have you ever prayed that? <laughs> Tomorrow night I'll be back at our church and, and we'll meet again. And here's the way the Lord's kind of working in me. I started praying the last couple of days those requests personally. Lord, you be honored and glorified in my life. Lord, you convict me where I need conviction and cleanse me where I need cleansing. Lord, I want to be surrendered and obedient no matter the cost. And I made it personal, and I think tomorrow night with those guys and the ladies have their time as well, I I think I'm going to encourage them, hey, let's make it personal this time. Uh, We need, our church needs to be right with God before God can even bless and use us and and uh, so that's another thing we, we pray for the preachers, uh, that, that uh, the preachers that attend would be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened. There was one preacher that came one year, and I'd been to the church, and the church I would describe as dead. Uh, when I was done preaching, they all left. 
Nobody shook my hand. Nobody said anything. And it was an awkward experience. And uh, this this preacher came. Uh, he only came one time, but but he came and he uh, emailed me a few weeks later and he said uh, the he says God did such a work in my heart that the church people say they have a new pastor. They said there's fire back in my preaching again, and I think that the people were discouraged because the preacher was discouraged. And so uh, God was doing a reviving. I went back and preached there. Things were a lot better. Uh, and uh, God was doing a reviving work there. So we pray for the preachers. Uh, we pray for families to be impacted. I don't want it just to, to stop at the four walls of the church. Lord, I, I want things to be impacted in the families, the homes, uh, the churches. And, and so I'm praying, Lord, you impact my life in this men's meeting. Let it impact my wife. Uh, let it impact our ministry and the places that we go. Uh, and then we pray for the singing, that it would be vibrant and full of the Spirit. And I'm like, Lord, let my singing be vibrant and full of the Spirit. Uh, and then uh, we pray that souls would be saved as a fruit of the meeting. That's not the main thrust during the meeting. It's more for revival, getting things right. But the fruit of revival is souls being saved. And uh, we actually saw a couple of people get saved last year. And so many answers to prayer that we had last year as well. Uh, and this kind of co coincides we, with the message tonight, but the, we prayed every Monday night, and then we met one more time after the men's meeting was over to come back and just to say thank you to the Lord. And it was one of the sweetest times I've ever had of prayer at our church, to come back and just say thank you for what He had done, and we're praying, or we're planning on doing that again uh, this year. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about one more thing, and then we'll get into the Scripture uh, one of the things that God has uh, been working in my heart about and has used the, the men's meeting last year, we had Evangelist Dwight Smith at uh, the men's meeting and he spoke to uh, a session with the pastors and he has done some citywide meetings and other churches have gotten together and things and they're actually in one right now in Rhode Island and they've seen God do incredible things. I've got some other friends that have done citywide meetings and one of the pastors during that session, they said, uh, well, why don't we do it here in Sacramento? We've got a great you know, fellowship of, the, of pastors here, and why don't we have you come and, and, uh, and speak for it? And immediately Dwight Smith says, you don't need me. You need God. You, know, you need to seek God. And, and so uh, that was all that happened. And this summer, or all throughout the, the year, but this summer, uh, I just kept thinking about it, thinking about it. And one man in our church told me, he says, Tim, you need to do it. You just need to stop hesitating and do it. And so uh, on a Tuesday, I put it on my prayer list. And I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to pray about it. I knew if I put it on my prayer list, it's going to happen. So I, I put it on the prayer list. I start praying about it. Thursday, I'm in my pastor's office. We're talking. And God's been working in his heart. He says, Tim, we, you know, this is the place, Sacramento. Uh, this is such a pivotal place in America, but also in California. And then the pastor's fellowship that we have in Sacramento is really good. Uh, and, and I've, I've thought that, and as I've traveled, I realized, you know, that really is a special fellowship that we have there. And so I called a couple of my closest friends, uh, pastor friends there in Sacramento. They'd already been thinking and praying about it. Uh, one man that, uh, that I have the utmost respect for, Pastor John Evertson, um, he said, uh, I said, I, you know, I'm glad that, you know, that you've been thinking about it. He says, well, Tim, last night I had a very intense time in prayer with the Lord, and the whole thing was about a citywide meeting. And he said, uh, he said, God just was working me over with it. And I said, I'm glad God's burdened you with it. 
And he says, no, Tim, it's not a burden. It's a calling. We're doing it. <laughs> and when he said that, I'm like, all right, it's on. We're doing it. So the last several months, every month, at 7 a.m. Uh, on a Friday, uh, one Friday a month, uh, about uh, five or six of us preachers have been meeting together and praying. And we're not, we haven't figured anything out. The only thing that we've figured out is that it's going to be in 2020. And this is a one-time shot. We're going to give it all we got. Um, and, I, and I told my pastor, when we get together, I don't want to, to try to figure out what, you know, where are we going to do this, this and that. And I said, I'm not interested in making a bunch of plans and asking God to bless our plans. We're here to just seek God's burden and what he wants. And so we got together and there was no discussion of what we're going to, you know, who are we going to have come be the preachers and all this kind of, there was no discussion about that. We just got together and prayed. And those prayer times, uh, we had one uh, two weeks ago, and they have been uh, so sweet. Uh, but yet we started off with, you know what, if God's going to do something, we've got to get right with him. If, if we, you know, as I mentioned this morning, I can be a hindrance to what God wants to do. Uh, I understand that now. And us preachers, as we get together, I'm like, we could be the hindrance. God may want to do so much more, but we could have that sin of unbelief. And we can hinder what God really wants to do. And so there was times of confession, and, and it was just such a sweet time. But uh, I wanted to share this with you. This, uh, this pastor, I uh, mentioned his name, John Everson. He was praying. It's on his knees, and uh, just the, the five of us or so. And he's just weeping. And he's got a burden in his church of this lady that has uh, cancer. And she has uh, three daughters. One of them just got married a few weeks ago. And she is, you know, at the end of her life, she has another, uh, another daughter that just started uh, college there at West Coast. And, and, and he's just weeping. He says, God, I, you know, I know that she's going to die soon. And I don't have the wisdom to help our church through this. God, I need your help. I don't want them to doubt your goodness through all of this. I don't want you to look bad in the, in the church people's eyes because in some ways it's so tragic because, you know, these daughters need their mom. And, and just see that pastor just, just crying and bearing that burden uh, was very special. Uh, but uh, the, the mom this week uh, did go home to be with the Lord. And, and God has uh, given grace in that situation. But, you know, we want to see God be exalted above any situation, above any problem, because He's bigger than any problem you and I face. Some people have some tremendous problems. God's bigger than them. You know, He's, he's so much bigger than all of it. And, you know, He's bigger than Sacramento. Sometimes I get intimidated by Sacramento. No, God's bigger than Sacramento. And so we're seeking God for the citywide meeting, and our passion is for God to be exalted. That's it. I mean, that's if, if, if He's exalted above all, uh, then all the other things will be uh, will take place. Uh, I was in Minnesota a few weeks ago and was hearing an evangelist, um, Rick Flanders, talk about, uh, oh man, who is it? George Mueller. George Mueller started the orphanages, helped over 10,000 orphans. And he didn't ask God, he didn't ask people for anything. He just went to God himself. And there were so many amazing stories. Uh, if you ever get a chance to read uh, his uh, journal, I think you can even get it off of Amazon for a dollar or something like that. Pick that up. That will so encourage your heart. God did so many incredible things through George Mueller, through his prayers. And there was a time where he, uh, the kids got together for breakfast and he prayed and thanked God for the food that wasn't even there. They had no food. But he was so confident in faith 
knowing that God was going to provide for them. After he prays, the knock on the door happens, and it's uh, the uh, the bread guy uh, saying, want to come and deliver some bread, uh, and then the milk truck broke down, and so they had bread and milk that morning, and, and God just did one miracle after another. And Rick Flanders, this evangelist, said, God, or George Mueller didn't start the orphanage because of um, he was so concerned and so burdened for the orphans. He started the orphanages because there was a spirit of atheism that was prevailing in his time, and he went to God and asked God, God, is there something you can do through me that would, that would dissipate that atheistic uh, thinking and philosophy that's prevailing in our, in our time? And, and God put that burden of starting the orphanages. And certainly God exalted himself through all of that. And, uh, and many people got saved, and so that's what we're seeking to do. We want to see God exalt Himself uh, beyond measure, uh, and, uh, and I don't know what all is going to happen. If you think about it, please pray for it. 2020 uh, citywide meeting in Sacramento, uh, I'm going to announce it at the men's meeting and uh, have some other people pray. Uh, you know, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power, Ian Bounds said. And so uh, uh, the most important thing is prayer uh, and seeing God do these things. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a, a wonderful passage to memorize different verses. Some people say, well, I can't memorize Scripture. Uh, you know, it's hard to memorize verses. Well, look at verse 16. Verse, rejoice evermore. You think you can memorize that one this week? <laughs> You know, you really need to just figure out, okay, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice evermore. Two words. You got a verse of Scripture memorized. Uh, then it says, pray without ceasing. Now, these are commands. We're to rejoice. We're to pray without ceasing. We, we ought to always be in a spirit of prayer. And then uh, the text tonight is verse 18. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But we're going to finish up to the end of the chapter, or the, uh, to verse 24, rather. And then he says, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying or preaching. Uh, don't despise preaching. Welcome preaching. Uh, verse 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are all-powerful. Lord, there is no one greater, there is no one higher than you. You rule, you reign, you are supreme. Lord, I think about uh, the hurricanes that have come through our country and the fires that have come through California and other places. Lord, we try to, to stop these things, but all we can do is, is just flee. Lord, these, these natural things show that we are not in control. Lord, that we, uh, uh, we are helpless and that we need You. And Lord, Your power reminds us that we are not in control. Lord, we are helpless and we need You. Lord, I need you tonight in delivering this message, and we all need your help in listening and obeying what it is that you would have for us tonight. Lord, thank you for each one of these folks who made it a priority to be here. Thank you, Lord, for your word that stands, your word that is eternal. 
And I pray that you would change some things in our lives and draw us nearer to you by us being here tonight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verse 19. He says, Quench not the Spirit. I mentioned this morning that the, the Lord is so personal to us. I mean, he, he desires to have that personal fellowship with each one of us, and so much so that our lives affect Him. He says in Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve Him? By sinning. With our sin, we grieve Him. And with our sin, we also quench Him. We quench the Spirit. We had the fires in California. I've seen a lot of the damage in Northern California. Uh, and uh, I just... It's just amazing all that has happened. And, and what, uh, what did California do? Boy, they tried to send everybody they could to put out that fire, to quench that fire. And the word quench means to put out, to distinguish. Here, this, uh, our sin quenches, it puts out the fire of the Holy Spirit. There was a time in your life, or maybe in my life, that, that we were more on fire for God, but something has quenched that fire. It's sin. Uh, sin quenches the Holy Spirit. And I have, you know, and again, so many times I think how many times I've quenched the Holy Spirit in my life have been robbed of blessings because of my sin. And we are not to quench the Spirit. And, it's, and as I'm looking at this in context, the verse before is giving thanks. Our unthankfulness quenches the Holy Spirit. Look there in verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Uh, here is a, uh, this word in is regards to a place or a space. And, in, and so in every circumstance, in everything, we can give thanks. There's always something to be thankful for. Uh, sometimes uh, maybe you have a day at work and the only thing that you're thankful for is that the chair spins. Uh, you know, it's about the only exciting thing that's happened, but there's something to always to be thankful for. And especially as Christians, there's always something to be thankful for. Uh, this, uh, I, uh, I love uh, uh, checking our mail, and, and sometimes we'll get some encouraging letters and things, and, and uh, sometimes there's money in there. And I went to the mailbox uh, last year, and, and, uh, and I got something from somebody I've never received any communication from, and, uh, and it wasn't encouraging. It was from the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office. And I'm like, okay, what is this? And I open it up, and inside was a notification that I have been given a ticket. Uh, I had ran a red light. I was turning right at a place in Sacramento. I did not stop all the way at the stop, uh, you know, stoplight. I went through the red light, turned right. And I didn't know there was a camera thing, you know, the flashing. And it says, you've got to appear in court. And the fine, I believe, was uh, $535. That was not encouraging. And I thought, okay, you know what? I, my mom has never gotten a ticket in her life. And that was my goal in life, to never get a ticket. Now, I'm not saying I've never deserved one, all right? I'm not saying that at all. But I've never had a ticket. And so I'm, wanting, I'm trying to keep that same thing all my life. I want to not have a ticket. But uh, so I'm like, maybe I can talk to the judge and she'll have mercy on me. 
And she'll say, you know what? You know, you're, you're a good citizen. You've never had a ticket before. Well, I'll just let this go. So I went there to the court, and, and, uh, and some other ones were before me, and I'm listening a little bit. And, and the judge just seems harsh. Uh, she's, she didn't seem kind at all. And, and, uh, and I get up there, and she says, how do you plead? And I said, well, I'm guilty. I did it. And she says, go pay your fine. And I said, no, well, I want it. She says, nope, I don't want to listen. Go pay your fine. And, and I just, right then, that's when the anger started boiling. Now, I'm a very calm person. Uh, I don't get riled up. I don't get upset too easily. But I was upset. And I'm like, $535 for this? For running a red light? When, you know, it wasn't any police officer that was there. It was just this stupid camera taking the picture of it. And, uh, you know, I can't get out of this, this ticket. And the only thing that seemed to console me was, at least I know that our government will use the money wisely. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm going in there, and I'm trying not to treat that lady that's you know taking my $535. I'm trying not to treat her harshly, and, and she gets it a lot. You know, It's not her fault. And I get back in the car, and I am just griping. I am complaining. I'm just like, this is so stupid. $535 for this? And now I've got a ticket and all of these things. I start complaining until the Holy Spirit gets in that car and just starts convicting my heart. What does the Bible say? In everything, give thanks. All right, Tim, stop your complaining. Stop your griping. Stop your belly aching. What are you thankful for? I'm like, I don't want to be thankful for anything. I'm upset. I'm mad. I want to continue on in this. And uh, the Lord's like, no, you need to be thankful. So I started thinking, okay, what can I be thankful for? Well, one, I had the money, uh, you know, in our in our bank account that I could pay the, you know, the, that fine. At least I didn't have to put on a credit card, go into debt for any of that. I started thinking about it. You know, I'm glad that I didn't hit any, but you know, any other car. I mean, it could have been where my car would have been damaged, and that damage could be over five hundred and thirty-five dollars. It could be a thousand. So really, it could have saved some money right there. And then I, you know, then you start thinking I could have hit a person. What if I would have hit a person? That would have changed my life. If I would have injured them, killed them, or whatever, I mean that that would have changed my life. And you know, I do a lot of driving, and so uh, I started. I, I said, "Okay, God, from now on, until I get back home, I'm not going to complain about anything. I'm just going to thank you, and try to think of things to be thankful for in this situation." And by the time I got home, my whole mind had just changed. The whole attitude had just flipped. Now I was thankful. God, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for keeping me from things that could have been a whole lot worse. And you know, sometimes in these situations, it's difficult to give thanks. And we look at that and we're like, well, that seems impossible. And everything, give thanks. Because there's a lot of things to, uh, that come into our lives. We think, I don't, I'm not really thankful for that. Job 1.21, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't think that anybody's had a harder life than what Job had. And yet he's, uh, when all of this stuff is happening, his immediate response is, the Lord had gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, he was thankful. He was grateful. And so he says, in everything, give thanks. Now, this word every, I, you know, sometimes in Scripture, we don't like the word every or all. Uh, you know, it says, let all bitterness be put away from you. Well, God, can't I just hold on to some bitterness in my life? Uh, no, you can't. 
You've got to put it all away from you and, and every and everything uh, give thanks. Uh, not just in some things, no, in everything. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there's always something to be thankful for. You can be thankful that you have a breath to breathe. You can be thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. Uh, you can be thankful that heaven's your home, that you'll never face the eternal torments of hell in the lake of fire. There may be all kinds of, your life may be crashing all about you, but if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you've got something to be thankful for. And so he says in Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made on unto God. God wants us to pray, and then he wants to, to have us have the supplication, which is for others. But then he says, with thanksgiving. Let's request be made known unto God. When you seek God in prayer, are you only asking Him for things? Or do you thank Him for things? If uh, Meg and I were talking about that this afternoon, you know, if I always were just asking, 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 that's, that's wearing on her. But if I say thank you for this, thank you for that, boy, that helps our relationship. You should be thankful to your spouse for the different things they do. You should be thankful for God, to God, for what He does. You have a prayer list, but do you have a praise list? Do you have things that you're thankful for? Uh, I've got, I'm still working on mine. I've got things that I'm writing down, and, uh, and I'll just go through that and just spend time thanking God. Sometimes uh, we'll pray and we'll say, God, there, I have so much to be thankful for. I could spend all day just thanking you. Well, have you ever done that? <laughs> have you ever tried? It's kind of hard to do when you're not accustomed to doing it. I was, uh, I was thinking, okay, for, the, for five minutes, I set my timer on my phone. I said, for five minutes, I'm not going to ask God for anything. I'm just going to thank Him. And a couple minutes went by. I'm like, okay, five minutes has got to be up. <laughs> you know. And it wasn't up yet. And, uh, and the Lord's helped me to, to now, you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. Uh, and uh, I've hit a, an hour a couple times not asking God for anything. You know, as A.W. Tozer, he would spend two hours and, and just worship and thanksgiving to the Lord before he started praying. You know, no wonder he had such a, a walk with God. What are we going to be doing in heaven? Worshiping Him? <laughs> Thanking Him? You want a little bit of heaven on earth? Then be a grateful person. Be a thankful person to God. And everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, we need to have uh, that in our prayers. We need to be thankful. We need to spend time thanking God and praising God. Uh, one of my evangelist friends says, Tim, try to take a day and not ask God for anything. But just thank Him. And if you need something, thank Him in advance for it. And I've done that a couple of times this year. And when I did it, that just changed my mindset. You know what? I can be thankful. You know, Lord, thank you uh, that I'm gonna that that you're gonna enable me to walk in victory today. Thank you that uh, you're gonna meet this need that we have. Thank you that you're gonna work in this person's life, and and uh, and it just changed my whole thinking. I want to share this with you. I, I was debating about it. And I've been asking God to to show me what what I need to share. And and uh, Megan and I were at a meeting this year. And God was at work in a powerful way, and a preacher got up, and, and, and it was some of the best preachers that I know, some of the sharpest guys, and just have such a heart for God. 
And this one preacher is a little, I guess, more of a lesser known guy. And, and uh, he got up and preached uh, one of the, the messages on a Thursday night. And the whole meeting, to me, just got elevated to where God just seemed to be right there. And the next morning, uh, we had a time of prayer. And, and, uh, and it was a special time. This evangelist was leading the time of prayer. And he said, uh, he said we're going to have inner man praying. And he says, what's inner man praying? A lot of times we pray for the outer man. He says, the inner man is, uh, is things such as fear, anger, bitterness, uh, you know, and things like that. I'm like, okay, we're basically going to be kind of confessing some sin to each other. And, and I said, I'm going to pray with Megan. That's going to be safe. And, and so uh, he says, the guys with guys, ladies with ladies. I'm like, oh, great. So I had one friend there. I'm like, okay, I'll go pray with him. But he got with somebody else real quick. And the and everybody else had gotten to somebody except for me, that evangelist, and then one other uh, person who's assistant pastor, and and so uh, we got together, and he says uh, the evangelist says let's not pray in here, let's go into another room where we can have some privacy, and I'm like oh great, this is gonna get intense, you know, and and so we we get together, sit down, and he says uh, all right Tim, he says you start us off, what's your inner man request? Well God had been working on my heart with the sin of unbelief. He had known the situation where I was thinking of, you know, breaking off Megan's job and things. And, and I said, I've got the sin of unbelief. And he says, you know, that's the root of all sin. I said, yeah, I do. And, and uh, he begins to pray and he's broken for me and he's uh, pleading with God. But then he went to praising and he started saying, thank you, God, for how you're going to provide for Tim and Megan. Thank you for how you're going to lead them each step of the way and use different individuals and churches. And, and he just went through a whole Thanksgiving time. And that's when that sin of unbelief just went like, wait a minute. You know what? He really believes God's going to do this and God is going to do this. And, uh, and that, that prayer time was, uh, was, uh, was powerful. God just seemed to be there. And, and then we asked the assistant pastor, they said, what do you, you know, what do you do? And I didn't know the guy and, and he says, well, uh, uh, he, he starts crying. He says, I don't know what I do. Uh, he says, I'm lost, not lost spiritually, eternally. But he says, I was in the military. I got out two years ago. I'm supposed to be this visitation director at the church. And he says, my heart's so cold towards souls. He says, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I'm like, how do you pray for this guy? Right then the evangelist says, uh, Brother Schmidt, why don't you lead us in prayer pray for him? And I'm like, Lord, I just, I just thought, how do you pray for him? Uh, maybe that's happened to you. I don't even know what I said. I didn't pray very, a very good prayer. And then the evangelist starts praying. I'm like, oh, that's a better prayer. That's a better way to pray for this guy. And, and then uh, we asked him. They said, We said, all right, what's your inner man request? He says, fear and the thought life. And I'm like, wow. And he starts crying. He says, you're looking at the worst sinner here. And, you know, out of the 200 of us that were there, different, I mean, it was all the preachers, evangelists, and pastors, and things. And, and uh, he says, You're looking at the worst sinner here. And I started thinking about it. Wait, wait, now, wait a minute, brother. I, I'm not going to tell you this, but, but God used you greater, it seemed. I mean, God used you to elevate this meeting to a different level. And yet you're saying that you see such of your sinful condition. Well, no wonder God did that. You know, it reminds me of the Apostle Paul. I'm the chief of sinners. And I think the nearer a man gets to God, the more he sees his sinful condition, that he needs the Lord. And, uh, and that prayer time changed my life. 
It did. It changed our whole year. It it changed my life, and I'm so thankful for it. Because it helped me to see, you know what? We need to be thankful. We need to thank God even in advance for things that we need. Uh, We need to, in our prayer and supplication, we need to have that thanksgiving. He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. People ask, what's God's will for my life? I want to know what's God's will for my life. Part of it is to give thanks in everything. If you don't know what to do, start giving thanks. David Gibbs says of the Christian Law Association, when there's a a church or a ministry that calls and the pastor's all upset because he's being sued by the state and and uh, and, and people are after him, uh, he says, Brother Gibbs, what should I do? What should I do? What's the first thing I should do? And Brother Gibbs tells every single one of them, give thanks. What? Give thanks? Yeah, give thanks. If you don't know what to do, give thanks. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. It is God's will that you and I be thankful people. It is God's will that we would be an example to this world. You work with people that are not thankful. They gripe, they complain. And what a wonderful way it is when God can use that Christian to be that salt and light because they have a grateful, thankful heart. I mean, that just stands out in this world. Having a thankful heart. He says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So he says, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now, again, I look at this sometimes, maybe you do too, and you're like, well, that's impossible. I can't give thanks in everything. You know, you're, you're right. You, you can't do it. You can't live the Christian life in your own strength. You need the Lord. Amen. The power to do what God requires resides in God. At the moment, and it's such a small thing, at the moment when I had that ticket, I'm in the midst of all that, God's wanting me to be thankful. I said, God, I can't do it. I need you to help me to do this through me. And He did. He helped me to be thankful. And it is through God that we can be thankful. Joseph, he had to trust God and have faith in God and all the circumstances that, that, were, uh, that happened to him when his brothers turned against him, when Potiphar's wife turned against him, uh, when the, uh, those uh, that were in prison with him turned against him. And when at the end of uh, uh, all of what God had done, he, you know, they said, Uh, He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He still had that faith and that thankfulness. And we can be thankful because we have faith in a God that is working behind the scenes in every circumstance. I don't all know why God had me pay $535. Maybe it's so that I can have a $535 illustration. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why he did all, you know, why that's happened, but I can be thankful for it. I don't know all the bad things that may have happened in your life, but God's working behind the scenes in every circumstance. You think of Naomi. Naomi and Ruth. Here's Naomi. Her, her, her husband dies. Her, her two sons die. Uh, she goes back to Bethlehem, Judah. and They said, oh, Naomi's here. And she says, don't call me Naomi, pleasant one, is what her name means. You call me Mara. 
because the the Almighty had dealt very bitterly against me. No, he hadn't. And it's like I want to say to Naomi, Naomi, look here, we've read all four chapters in Ruth. There's a God that's working behind these scenes in these circumstances. He's bringing about a kinsman redeemer. Uh, Your daughter-in-law is going to be in the lineage with King David and then eventually Jesus Christ. Uh, There's so many blessings, Naomi. Just trust God. He's not against you. And so Naomi wasn't a thankful person. Joseph was, and he knew that God was working behind the scenes. You see, it takes faith to give thanks in everything. That's okay because it takes faith to live the Christian life. We walk by faith and not by sight. We cannot please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. There's something that's quenched the Spirit in your life. Could it be the sin of ingratitude? Could it be that you've not been thankful? And Some people, they're very good at being thankful. Other people, I have more of a harder time with it. I've got to go to God. Say, God, I need you to do this through me. And it is through God that we can be thankful. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Megan and I, several years ago, we were doing a vacation Bible school for our church, and we were knocking on doors, and I uh, ran across this one guy, I think his name was David, and uh, I think he was about eight or nine years old, and told him about vacation Bible school, and David was all excited, and he says, yeah, you know, I'd like to come talk to his dad. Yeah, he can go, you know, vacation Bible school. And, and, uh, and I said, hey, if you bring a friend, uh, we can, uh, you know, you'll get more points. And he says, oh, okay, I know a friend. And he says, we got to pick him up too. And I said, okay, well, we'll do that. So we, uh, we, Megan and I go pick up David. We pick up his friend and bring him to the vacation Bible school. I had a Bible on me. I said, here, David, you get points if you have your Bible with you. And I said, here's some money for the, the penny offering. I said, you get more points for that. And, and, uh, and so, uh, he had a great time, him and his friend. They get back in the car. I drop off that friend, and we're going to his uh, apartment, and and he just starts boasting. Boy, I did good tonight. I I had the most points out of everybody. He said I had a visitor, I had a Bible, I had money for the offering, you know. And he says I'm in first place over everybody. I did good tonight. And I drop him off, and that was it. I mean, there was no thank you. Uh, you know, when it was, I was the one that was behind the money, the, you know, picking him up, doing all of these things. All he did was show up. Uh, you know, I helped him get all of those points. I knew the whole point system. And I start going down the road, and I'm like, that turkey. You know, here I did all this for him, and he's not being grateful to me. And then the Lord convicts my heart. Tim, that's how you treat me sometimes. You think that you did all these good things? No. No, it's God that gives you the strength to get up in the morning, to go to work, to make the money, to do the things that God wants you to do. Oh, it's God that's behind all of those things. And so we need to be thankful to Him. And then it says here, in Christ Jesus concerning you. Being thankful is personal. You have a responsibility yourself to be thankful. I can't do your praising and your thankfulness through you. I, I've got my own to do. Psalm 34.1, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. 
Go over to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 is, we're almost done tonight. I think about this passage and the matter of thankfulness. This is the story of the ten lepers. Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. It says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. So here's this leprosy that has that was the scourge of the ancient world. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I'm like, okay, what does a leprous person look like? And I, I went on the internet, looked at that, my stomach turned as I saw pictures of people that have had leprosy and and uh, they would be the outcast of society. They could no longer work their jobs, have their families near them. Uh, and it was just a, a scourge of the ancient world. It's one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. And so uh, many things would happen, such as the fingers would fall off or dissolve. Uh, maybe there would be a hole in the cheek. Uh, you know, same thing would happen with the toes. They might fall off or dissolve. Your voice box would be attacked uh, to where you couldn't speak. Uh, very well. And so maybe I, I can just imagine them hearing that Jesus Christ is coming. They know of his miracles. They know that he's healed other lepers. And maybe this is their chance to be healed. And so maybe they got together and say, hey, let's lift up our voices together and get uh, get Jesus's attention. And verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And oh, would God give him mercy? <laughs> yeah, he would. He says in verse 14, and he saw them. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And there's a whole uh, uh, procedure that they could do for this. Uh, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. They obeyed the Lord. They were going to go show themselves to the priest. But even before they got to the priest, they were cleansed. Can you imagine that? Your fingers now come back. Your, your toes come back. You're, you're able to walk normally. Your voice comes back. Now you can go back to your family. You can go back to your, your home and your friends and all the things that you were separated from before. Uh, you have your whole life back. Oh, how wonderful that would be. You know, you, you would think that they would all come back to say thank you. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a, what kind of a voice? Loud. A loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found to return that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I wonder if the Lord Jesus Christ asked that same question to us tonight. I thought I cleansed ten. Where are the other nine to come back and say thank you? And this matter of leprosy, again, there was nothing worse than leprosy in this day. And leprosy is a picture of sin. And when God cleanses us of sin, that you know we have a, a home in heaven through Jesus Christ. I mean, there's, there's nothing greater that we can have. And here, we ought to give, go back to the Lord and say thank you for what you've done. I was watching a a uh, interview many for many years ago of Kurt Cameron and uh, Kurt Cameron was talking about uh, when he had gotten saved uh, when he was on the set of growing pains and he said uh, you know there were there were some scenes 
that I, you know, did not feel comfortable in doing. I believe they were against God, and so I said, I'm not doing the scenes. He says, now when I say that, that means that all the people that memorized the lines around that scene had to memorize new lines. He says, all of the writers had to come up with a new scene. And he says, the tabloids got a hold of that and put on there, Kirk Cameron goes nuts uh, off the religious deep end. And then he, he said, when all it was, was a 17-year-old uh, 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 boy saying, you know, here, I've just been given more than what the world could ever offer. Uh, then I have been given the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ that I'll never be in the fires of hell. And wanting my life, and he says this, and I quote, to be a thank you back to God. Wow. To live your life as a thank you back to God? Oh, He has been so merciful to us. He's been so good to us. He's good even when He's misunderstood. And we ought to give our lives as a thank you back to Him. Luke 19, verse 37. You can flip over there just a few pages over. This is the triumphant entry and Christ is coming. But Luke 19, verse 37. It says, And when He was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives. I've been there. I've, I've done the same route that He took. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto them, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Don't let your job be taken. Be, live your life as a thank you back to God. Be thankful in everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's look to the Lord in prayer.